Bronze and Modern Gods, uh, new season, new background. Who dis? That looks good, John. I love it. You like that? Special thanks to Raphael for uh, designing this here. I'm John. And I'm Richard. And welcome, everybody. If you're not following us on Facebook and Instagram, what's wrong with you? Stop this video right now and go to Bronze we'll and Modern Gods. What? We'll wait. <laughs> Yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait right. Hold on. Just sit right here until you follow us at Bronze and Modern Gods. And if you want to go to the website at bronzeandmoderngods.com, shoot us an email because today it is viewer mail. We'll be digging into the mailbag. We are a few weeks behind on this, so we've got a lot to cover. We also have our underrated books of the week, the 25 year rule, when we go back to 1998. But as always, we start off with our hot book of the week, Richard. I don't know if this is for you or not. Uh, it's a Star Wars number 34. Uh, it just came out this past Wednesday. It's the cameo appearance. He appears on the very last page of the book of Dr. Kuata. What? Who? Why? He is a kyber crystal uh, scientist. He has expertise in the kyber crystal and Luke needs... Uh, guidance because his lightsaber got smashed along with his hand yet again. And um, so he, he travels to find a new kyber crystal and runs into this doctor. Uh, you know, this, this is one of those things. Um, you ask, you ask me here, is this film or I'm running wild in the notes or does it mean anything? It's too early to tell. Um, this is uh, like I said, the book just came out on Wednesday. And uh, I think until we have more content around this guy, uh, we won't know if he's an ongoing character or is this just going to be a one shot for Luke to get his lightsaber repaired and he's off to fight Darth Vader again. Uh, I think, well, first of all, the Raws are already selling for 20 bucks on eBay easily uh, in volume. And this just came out, like you said, on Wednesday. This is a good example of why you need to have a pull box list at your LCS. Um, I am really bad at that. I go in and I try to like, you know, look what's on the shelves. And you have to remember these LCSs right now are struggling when it comes to new comics. They are not ordering a lot of shelf copies. They're ordering enough to cover their pool lists and maybe one or two copies for the shelf. And that's it. And that's when we get these, these books that pop like this out of the blue. I, I would love to know why it popped. Um, if, if someone in the, in, uh, can, give us feedback in the comments as to why this book is hot. It's Star Wars is, has a history of having first appearance after first appearance after first appearance. There is a, a guide to first appearances in Star Wars comics because there's so many of them to try to keep track of. Some of them end up being great, like Dr. Aphra. Yeah, Some really. of them end up just being, you know, you know, also rants and so on, one, one shots and, so I, why people are getting excited about this book until there is some kind of history behind this character, uh, is, is, it's kind of baffling to me. You're wearing the shirt today. Did you, did you buy this book? Is this on your pool list? Do you care? Do I care? Um, no, to be honest yeah. with you, I don't. I, I've, I've read the book. Uh, it's, it's a good story. It's good art. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm happy with it. It's just not something that at this point I'm getting really excited about. It's great. It's, it's Luke, you know, it's, um, Luke, you know, planning on fighting Darth Vader again. And so it's, you know, characters I love it's, I just don't think it right now it's a, it's a first appearance that warrants any kind of excitement. 
we don't get to see numbers anymore like we used to from the distributors. We don't see the top 300 list like we used to. I have no idea if Star Wars as an ongoing series is doing well or not. This makes me think it's not doing that well. If it's that hard to find, you know, four days after it's out. It could be a sign, as you mentioned, the fact that, you know, shops just aren't ordering a lot of backs, you know, uh, extra copies. So if you don't get your pull list put together and tell your uh, LCS what you are going to buy that particular week, you may end up going without. Yeah, that's a lot of work to go through that um, previews pull list. Oh, uh, goodness, and yes. Scroll through it. Any first appearance here? Any Spider Boy appearance here? What? <laughs> I'm, I don't have time. I've got a life. Uh, so, oh, it's daunting. You know, having the big uh, previews catalog that they give you with um, just millions and millions of things in that thing. And you have to check off, you know, my, my LCS wanted me to check off the ones that I wanted out of this huge catalog. That's just not, not viable in my opinion. No, no, there is an online way to do it. Uh, uh, my LCS offers an online. I just sign into previews world uh, online and I just go through the list. And even that is <laughs> tiring. Well, I order I, uh, things from another world. Uh, TFAW.com is a website and uh, they let you set up, vir you know, virtual pull lists where you can have a pull list by keyword. So if I wanted all Miles Morales books that come out that particular uh, week, I could just put in Miles Morales as my keyword and it oh. will automatically add the books to my cart. And I have an opportunity to review the cart before it, it you know, it commits and, you know, you can get your pull list that way. And it, it's worked for me. They ship the books out and, you know, it's, it's been the way that I get modern books nowadays. I wonder if you put in all first appearances, what will happen? That's a good, that's a good question. I don't know if I could afford that. <laughs> all Marvel first appearances. Uh, well, the one horrible thing about it is that I, I used to put in like, like Black Adam and yeah. DC would have six covers for Black Adam number four. So I get six copies of the same book, basically. You loved it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to everyone's favorite segment, viewer mail. You've got mail. My first piece here, Richard, is from Tom May, who wrote to us at our email address at bronzeandmoderngods at gmail.com. Hi, gents. This video popped up on my YouTube feed, and I figured I'd pass it along in case you haven't seen it yet. I think Richard may find the video particularly inspiring, or he may end up cursing my name a little. <laughs> we comic book nerds. All can probably relate to and appreciate what a genuinely profound moment this would be. This video is from 10 months ago, and it's from uh, a really good channel, The Longbox Love Affair. Uh, watch mm -hmm. him uh, regularly. Right. He got an Amazing Fantasy 15, and this is the unboxing video, and he gets genuinely emotional. He does. It's, it's, so, it's so heartwarming to watch him. You could tell it is an emotional moment for him to have the pen, you know, the penultimate comic in his collection finally added. And uh, I, like you, I watch his channel all the time. We gotta get him on here sometime. I, I've invited him, yes. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's just great to see someone who, who is generally moved by comic books. Awesome. Uh, any movement on that end now that your kitchen's done and your credit card uh, bills are paid off? I'm saving again. Okay. We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, if, if, if it stays, if the prices are, I can't say reasonable when you're talking five <laughs> figures. No. <laughs> if the opportunity comes up, we'll see. Uh, Susie Orman mode. 
engaged do you have an eight month emergency fund uh almost yeah okay okay all right then you are approved you are approved <laughs> if all your credit cards are paid off and you have at least an eight month cushion of emergency oh, tap because of taxes so i'm yeah, building yeah, my yeah. uh my slush fund uh, i think everyone's tapped i'm not seeing a lot of stuff selling lately i'm not you know i going to live sales and I see a lot of looky loos and people enjoying the community, but I don't see anybody saying claim, uh, mm. which is interesting. And I'm guilty as well of my buying has really slowed down. Uh, yeah. Well, what's your first piece of viewer mail? My first piece of viewer mail is from friend of the show, Vexer 4000. Hi, Vexer. I got into the X-Men after, after this, we're talking about X-Men 141 and thought it was easy to keep track of it, of the fact that Scott's wife, was a clone of his dead ex-lover who then came back. So he dropped his wife, but not before she turns into a goblin queen. Oh, and I forgot his wife gave birth to Scott's son who has been sent to the future and becomes Cable or something like that. I laughed at this because it, it, it is. Every word of that is true. That's the actual story. <laughs> Uh, it is a very, very good example in a single sentence of why I stopped reading X-Men uh, in general. You know, it's, it's, it's this kind of convoluted, uh, incestuous kind of uh, storylines that I just, I just didn't find easy to follow or attractive. So, yeah, you know Vexer, I feel you. Do you know what a circle jerk is, Richard? <sighs> yes, I do, unfortunately. Okay, that's what this is, a creative circle jerk. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. If you put it in that way, that's a great visual. Thanks. Will we get demonetized for that? Um, here's the thing I really uh, remember about this whole mess with the Goblin Queen and Madeline Pryor and Jean Grey and X Factor and Jean Grey coming back. Scott Summers leaving his wife and child for Jean Grey completely ruins everything that Scott Summers character is about. Mm -hmm. Cyclops mm -hmm. is a good guy. He is a moral guy. He is the one guy you can look up to is the leader of the X-Men, you know? Oh, now we're going to show that he's a flawed man. No, you're ruining the character that has been in existence for decades at that point. And there's no coming back from that. You know, you end up like in the same situation, Spider-Man getting married to Mary Jane. You can't uncork that bottle, Mephisto. Um, whoops, did I mention that one more day, one more time again on this podcast? Apologies. <laughs> the drinking game. I know. Uh, no, you know, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's, it's Scott was, it, these are comic books, right? You know, these, these characters are supposed to be larger than life. And, uh, the fact that you, you destroy the backstory or, or the, um, the overall character by making him this willing to leave his wife and child um it's just 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 was really hard to swallow and hard to take the character in the same light you know moving forward i know um uh, i don't know if they've kind of retconned that at all if they made any attempt to clean up his character since i've been so out of touch with the x-men yeah he came back as a kid during uh champions and um <laughs> sorry sorry what yeah <laughs> Yeah, right. he, he came back as a teenager and was a part of the champions team for, for a bit. <sighs> yeah, they've they've done that character bad. <laughs> we learn nothing from teen Tony, Tony Stark. Oh, 
Yeah. We've learned nothing, people. Uh, my next piece of viewer mail is from Jason, a.k.a. JLADMD on Instagram, a longtime listener. He wrote to us at our email at bronzeandmoderngods at gmail.com. Dear John and Richard, looking for advice. Like all comic collectors, I have hit that point where I have too many. And as a 40-year collector, they aren't all big ticket items. I really want to thin the herd of the unimportant, the one-offs, etc., I know that these are not big ticket items. Maybe someone wants them to complete a run, etc. What's the best way to unload this type of book? eBay, get a table at a small show, a dumpster. Interested in what you may have done and your advice. Thanks, Jason. Jason, hi. Uh, I can start here. Um, I think selling runs via eBay is a really good way to go. Mm -hmm. Like, there's always going to be someone like Richard and I that want a run of Crossfire from Eclipse or American Flag from First. Here's issues one through 25. You bundle them, you put them up there for 20 bucks plus shipping, it'll be gone in a week. Uh, yep. You got to price them right. You're not really invested in these. You want to make room, price them low, get rid of them. Uh, what do you think, Richard? I totally agree. I have bought a number of runs. Uh, Namor run, complete run, uh, Area 88, a complete run. Miracle Man, um, just because, you know, I, I can drop the coin and get everything in one shot. And uh, yeah, that's a great way of getting rid of them. Um, before you take it to the dumpster, I know that's an option. I have long boxes. I keep eyeing thinking, yeah, I got to get rid of these because they're full of just, you know, un things that no one wants. Try taking them up to your local LCS. They'll give you um, a low price for your books, but you can get rid of them with no worrying about shipping or any of that stuff. You basically hand them the short box, they'll give you a $20 bill and you can walk away and not have to worry about it anymore. It's all about, to me, it's all about effort. How much effort do I wanna put selling a box full of 50 cent books? I'm also a big fan of local comic shows, like at your local mm -hmm. VFW or you know American Legion or something like that. If there's one that happens every quarter or so, Get a table. Table probably cost, cost you 200 bucks. Put all the boxes out there, make them a dollar a book, sit back and sell them. There's always people that love dollar bin uh, diving. I'm one of them. You know, you might make your money back on the table. You might lose a few dollars, but you're, you know, if you make your money back, you've sold 200 books. Yeah. So you, you've sold almost a long box uh, and just experiment. I do think uh, eBay is the way to go. Runs, I know we say runs, lots also sell well so you have flaming carrot one two seven nine twelve and fifteen put them up like that flaming carrot lot it's also how you title it and use keywords in your title and description to sell it right and and include pictures of, of the books too um yeah it's it's important some people are very very sensitive about condition and even though it's a run they want a good condition run so just just be aware that they may ask about the the spines and the conditions of the book one way i do that um is i will take a picture of the stack and then i'll take a picture of them all fanned out mm -hmm. and i'll say you know these range in grade from 8.5 to 9.6 you know and if there's a key in there make sure you say hey number one is a 9.4 because those are the questions you're going to get uh, and if you anticipate people's questions act like a buyer and read your listing and answer your own questions as a buyer before you hit that submit button on the listing that's a very that's very very good uh, uh information read your listing as a buyer if, if you find it comes up short 
add more information. I love information when I'm reading a listing and I try to make my listings be as informative as possible too. Good luck, Jason. Um, if you have a run of American flag, hit Richard up. What's your next piece? <laughs> uh, my next piece is from uh, Richard Rojas. Um, he says, funny coincidence. I just picked up an uncanny X-Men number one, number 141 for $222 and 142 for 150 both cgc 9.4s good price my favorite storyline of all time yeah so that's those are great prices congratulations on the books uh, i it is one of my favorite storylines too it's it what it's what turned me into a comic book fan to a comic book collector um there's such great storylines uh great art and uh you know chris chris claremont uh, at his best in my opinion so thanks, thanks for the comment, Richard. Did you are your current one forty one and one forty twos? Are they from the garbage bag collection? <laughs> uh, I have several one forty ones and one forty twos. I have a one of each from the garbage bag collection. I have <laughs> one of each from my original collection when I bought them off uh, at the comic book store back in the eighties. Wow. And then I've got a I've got one or two that you know you. For a long time, you could pick them up for fifty bucks, mm -hmm. and you know I would do that. There's the whole range of of X Men that said that said Marvel Comics, a little banner across the top. If it said Marvel Comics on that banner, I pick them up, and you can get them for twenty bucks, fifty bucks, you know, maybe one twenty nine for a little bit more. But yeah, I I have several of those, and I, I have a, a short box just dedicated to those books. For the people who are new to the podcast, the Garbage Bag Collection is a collection of Rexman comics that Richard bought off Craigslist, and the guy met him in a McDonald's parking lot with issue 94 and up in a garbage bag. Yes. 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 At that point, it was a, it was a, a rescue mission. <laughs> I had to buy them regardless. Good move. <laughs> uh, my next piece of your mail comes to us at our email at Bronze of Modern Gods at gmail.com from Scott Glass. Hey guys, love your show. And I've been listening, watching since almost the beginning. My apologies for those early episodes. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you for bringing some sanity to comic book talk on YouTube. I recently opened a vault account at PWCC with the idea that I can store my slabs that I'm not going to display offsite with insurance. And eventually I or my loved ones will have a marketplace to sell them. Wondering what you guys think of PWCC specifically, and also this type of storage, as I believe eBay and others are considering the same type of setup if they haven't already started doing it. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Right. Scares the crap out of me. I ain't doing it. <laughs> well, okay, we'll move on because I'm not doing it either. <laughs> Let's explain. I, all you have to do is look at the history of these companies, CBCS, CGC, CBCS, multiple people have had books stolen from them. Uh, CGC, books go missing. Books get swapped out. Hey, I submitted this Wolverine number one, and the one they put in my slab and sent me is not the one I submitted. I can't trust anyone. I can't. If if I'm gonna um, if I'm gonna put them somewhere, it's gonna be a local bank safety deposit box with collectibles insurance. That's mm -hmm. that's me. That's my take. I, I'm with you. Um, my my big fear is you submit a whole bunch of books. Uh, I know there's also places that do trading cards. You can do you can submit through eBay um, magic cards directly to their vaults. 
But what happens if the business goes out, you know, it, it goes bankrupt? Uh, your books are on site at this particular facility. You hope you get them back. If you don't get them back, you can sue them. But what are you, what are you going to, what value are you going to assign to that book? And how are you going to get that book, you know, the, the funds for that book back? It's, it's a nightmare. I, to me, I'm, I'm like John. I would either buy a safety deposit box or invest in a secure storage facility and be able to store, you know, a climate controlled storage facility and, and store them there. That way you have complete ownership of and control of that book. And um, you're not hoping that somebody in New Jersey, um, no offense to anybody in New Jersey, but somebody, some company in New Jersey is going to stay solvent for the next 50 years. So that your relatives and your, you know, your descendants are able to, to cash that book out. No one is immune to force majeure. And by that, I mean, here's a great, perfect example of this. Universal Music Group, the largest music company in the world, had a vault, past tense, had a vault that stored the master recordings of some of the most important iconic recordings of the 20th century. Nirvana, never mind. Uh, the entire uh, catalog for bands like U2, et cetera, okay? Uh The vault caught on fire, destroying all the master tapes within. Uh Universal didn't bother to inform the artists or the managers that this happened. They had to find out themselves through the media. Now... When you see things from Universal Music Group that are remastered from the original analog tapes, it's a clone. It's a slave to the master tape. It is not the master tape 90% of the time because these masters were destroyed. If that can happen to a multi-billion dollar company like NBC Universal, mm-hmm. it can happen to PWCC or anyone else that's in this business. You yeah. cannot control force majeure, aka acts of God. Right. Totally agree. So, I mean, our recommendation is keep control of your books and um, pay for uh, pay for either a safety deposit box or kind of some kind of secure well, uh, environmental controlled storage. Also, don't you want to look at them every once in a while? Don't you want to take them out and hold them and say, I own this and show it off to your Uncle Rex when he comes by? <laughs> or if you need, you know, you need cash in a hurry, you do, what do you do? You have to, to send away for these things to come back. Um, you know, if, if, if you have them in locally in, in local storage, you can go out and grab it and throw it up on eBay. I'm anyone from PWCC is welcome to counter this anytime. I'm curious as to what the counter arguments would be. Richard, what is your next piece of your mail? Uh, my next piece is from uh, Jason Brownell, a uh, friend of the Stay show. Together. Three, two, one. Brownell. Brownell. <laughs> the running joke. Come on. Sorry, Sorry Jason. <laughs> <laughs> your, your name has become a running joke. Uh, so we, I talked about, uh, uh, Archie, uh, previous show. And he says, this is about as close to an Archie episode as we're going to get, we're getting, isn't it? Oh, now it's on. Okay. Yeah. Like Donkey it, Kong. Yeah. If you guys want an Archie episode, we can do an Archie episode. If there's interest for that, you know, let us know. Um, I have, I have a weak spot in, in, in my comic book collecting soul for Archie comics. And I know John has, is a fan of the, the era as well. And so, yeah, I'd love to talk about it extendedly. 
break out my Katie Keen with Robbie the Robot on the cover. <laughs> be awesome. <laughs> Talk about that later. Uh, my next piece of URML is from Jeremy Clark, who also wrote us at bronzemodergods at gmail.com. The Jeremy Clark. Who's top, Jeremy Clark? Top, top gear? Sure. It's him. Hi, okay. Jeremy Clark. Hi, Jeremy. I thought I smelled gas fumes. Hey, guys. <laughs> I'm relatively new to the comic book world and your weekly podcasts have been so great in helping me to explore and enjoy new titles and characters, as well as know what to look for from a collector's perspective. I so appreciate the work you do to share your love and knowledge of comic books with us all. Thank you. Thank you. My question is about Mark Jewelers inserts. How important are they? I recently found a raw secret Wars number eight at a used bookstore that was on the higher end of mid grade. It seemed to be priced a little high, but not unreasonably high. Upon opening it up, I found a four-page Mark Jewelers insert in the center, and it seemed like a rare opportunity, so I decided to go for it. Oh, nice. My question is, from a collector's standpoint, would it be better to have a mid-grade key with a Mark Jewelers insert or a higher grade without? Do collectors really put a high value on that insert? Wondering if I made a good call or if this is merely a learning opportunity along my journey as a collector. Thanks so much, and keep up the great work. All right, Jeremy. Here's the thing. There are weirdos out there that love collecting weird things. Hand raised right here. Patsy <laughs> Walker, Millie the Model, Flaming Carrot, Love and Rockets, things off the beaten path. There are people along those lines that collect nothing but Mark's Jewelers inserts. Why? It's the thrill of the hunt. It's the thrill of the chase. Um, I don't think you have an either or here. Do you like Secret Wars number eight? Find a high grade copy down the line and add that to your collection. And you've got both. You've got a Mark's Jewelers and you have a high grade copy for yourself. If it's something you're looking to flip, I would clean, press it, flip it. And uh, there they do command a premium. Like I said, there are weirdos out there that want all the Mark's Jewelers they can find. They love that insert. Uh, maybe they were in the military and they it has memories for them when they used to buy comics at the PX that had those inserts. Who knows? I you're putting yourself in an either or position here, and I don't think you need to. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with you. Uh, Mark Jewelers is it's, it's kind of like uh, Canadian price variants, um, or the thirty cent uh, price variants. Uh, they're they're they are um, there are examples of the book. that are smaller print runs, and there are people out there who want to collect them all, and so therefore they command a premium. But ultimately, they're the same book as the, you know, the newsstand, which would be the next in line, and then the, the the direct book. You know, there's really no content difference. Mark Jewelers is the only one that has, you know, it has that insert. So if you're a fan of of um, Spider-Man and Secret Wars number eight, then you know, keep this copy and be happy with it. If if you want, like John says, you want to sell it and flip it, go ahead. You can get a, a higher grade, um, you know, pretty easily of this book. You could trade your Mark's Jewelers for a higher grade. You They're could. Fun. And it's up to, you know, it's up to you and your collection. Some people uh, are happy with whatever grade they get as long as they have a book of, you know, to, to fill their collection. Other people are sticklers and they only want 9.8. Exactly. That's the magic of collecting. You get to make your own decisions and, and get the stuff you want, even if it is a mid-grade Mark's Jewelers Secret Wars number eight. Mm -hmm. All right, Richard, what is your last piece of your mail? My last piece is from Terry Floyd, and this is talking about Battletech, which is my uh, underrated book pick. 
Uh, I remember Battletech. I read lots of the books. Some of them were really good. Jade Phoenix Trilogy, which is awesome, by Robert Thurston. Um, the cartoon was okay and, and short-lived. The game I tried playing a couple of times, but the level of complexity was too much for me. It was definitely a complex game. Too much graphs and spreadsheets. Yep, you had check boxes. You had to check off damage, and specific areas could be destroyed. And I, I love that kind of stuff. You almost have to be an engine have an engineering degree to play. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty tough. Um, the like I mentioned, the uh, Mech Warrior games that uh, on the computer are the same level of complexity, but the computer takes care of all that stuff. So if you like the concept of being in a giant mech and having, you know, damage areas, and it was, you know, a realistic simulation of that giant mech, check out the Mech Warrior 5. I think it's a great game and you can get it on Steam if you'd like to. But yep, Battletech will always hold a soft spot in my heart. You know, it, I started off with, with Macross and uh, watching those cartoons and then Battletech came along, which was kind of like it, they stole some of the mechs, the early mechs from the Macross series and they got sued for it and they had to remove them from the, from canon and there's a whole story there. But yeah, it's it's a part of my growing up and I will continue to enjoy the different uh, games that come out. You reminded me of the books and I have to go back and check to see if uh, they're still producing books for this for this universe because the books were really good. Thanks. Thanks so much for uh, flooding me with memories, Terry. When I was still living in Cleveland uh, in the late in, in the mid to late 90s, there was a store that was a comic book store and a gaming store called Reality Recess. Mm -hmm. Did you ever go there and play at Reality Recess? Absolutely. Uh, Reality Recess, the owner of that store is a, is a good friend of mine. I've known him from back in the magic era when he, his store used to sell, his store used to be called The Keep. The Keep. Um, yeah. Yep. He, he has, if you're in Northeast Ohio and you want to play a board game, you have to stop at Recess. That's um, that's what the name is now. Uh, they have a collection of over 500 board games. They have a huge area there with long tables where you can play all these board games. Um, the games are free. You just come in and you can play the games. They also have tables to play Warhammer and 40K and Battletech if you want to play. Bring your miniatures. They sell miniatures there. It's a great store. It's a great escape uh, if you're looking for something to do. Is it still in Amherst? Where is it? It's in Great Northern right now. It's oh, um, wow. Yeah, it, it's a it's a big store. They've, they've been in business now for... Huh. 30 years. I can't remember exactly how long they've been there, but recess.net is the website. Uh, check them out. I used to buy my comic books there until mm -hmm. uh, I purged them all. And then I went back and I started buying again before I moved to California. I think I started buying books there again um, around Heroes Reborn, that era around mm -hmm. 1998, 25 years ago. It's the 25 year old. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good. That All right, good. I, I can with that one. That whole reality recess conversation was a long way to get to that segue. Uh, Twenty-five year rule. We go back to 1998, 25 years ago, when nostalgia kicks in and you want to reclaim your childhood. It usually happens around the 25 year mark. Hence, the 25 year rule. Today, brace yourself. We're going to talk about Rob Liefeld a little bit. Judgment Day, Aftermath, number one from Awesome Comics. 
Richard, these comics are awesome. <laughs> you know why I know they're awesome? Because it says so on the tin. It says so right on the tin. <laughs> uh, this is a reboot of Rob Liefeld's awesome comics universe featuring Youngblood Extreme, Glory Extreme Wonder Woman, Supreme Extreme Superman. But before we get all judgy here, this was written by Alan Moore and drawn by Gil Kane. I'm in. That's you some serious me. chops there. Yeah, absolutely. You got me. I actually really love Supreme. We've talked about it many times on this podcast by Alan Moore and the Judgment Day miniseries by Alan Moore. I never saw this aftermath issue, though, or read it, however. I never got it. Uh, and I was buying all the Alan Moore awesome stuff at this point. Uh, then they ran out of money. He rebooted this whole universe, made it readable, made it made it fun, made it a callback to the Silver Age of Marvel Comics almost, the Bronze Age even. And then they ran out of money and awesome comics went kablooey. And here's what's happening now. All these properties, Youngblood, Glory, Supreme, they're all in legal limbo. Somehow Rob sold the IP to someone who's not doing anything with it. He can't get it back. That means we probably won't see reprints or such for a long time, if ever. But don't despair. I recommend Judgment Day. I recommend Supreme by Alan Moore. You can grab this or even the Ed McGinnis variant cover that exists for this for about five bucks each on eBay. That sounds like a deal. I know. This stuff is criminally uh, ignored and underrated because, you know, they haven't been published. I think the last Supreme run that was published was a uh a complete reboot called supreme blue rose uh that image did maybe 15 years ago it's okay. sad it's sad it's kind of sad what happened to all of rob's properties i i do feel bad that he doesn't own them anymore um speaking of underrated books it's time for our underrated books of the week imagine that two segues in one episode wow, you you've been practicing haven't you no richard what is your first underrated book <laughs> uh, my underrated book this week is Detective Comics number 571. Uh, this is a classic Scarecrow cover by Alan Davis. It is by far one of my favorite Batman covers. And this book, in my opinion, is just completely flying under the radar. Just for some story, it's, it's Batman and the Robin in this time is Jason Todd. Um, this was back in the days when you know, they, they weren't fighting cosmic villains. You had Scarecrow who had invented a, a, a gas that removes fear, and he was dosing up athletes and then charging them $50,000 to get the antidote. Wow. One million dollars. <laughs> uh, it's almost like petty crime. Um, and, you know, it's a, the story is pretty interesting, and it has some foreshadowing. Um, uh, Batman and Robin get sprayed by the regular fear gas and Batman overcomes it. And Robin asks him, you know, what, what did you, what did you fear? And he's, and he says, one day I'll tell you. And, and you know, we as readers see it's Jason Todd's tombstone. Oops. Yeah, it's a little, <laughs> little bit of foreshadowing, but don't worry. Jason Todd does dies, but does not stay dead. Uh, he comes back as the red hood, second red hood later. Um, this book, you can get rods for it from 15 to $40. It's an inexpensive book. You can buy this book. You know, I found, I found my latest copy at, uh, you know, a, um, in a, in a long box at a thrift store. So not difficult to get. 
uh, 9.8 uh, go on eBay for around 150 $170. So, and I think that's a great price. This is a great cover. The story is, I think, is an interesting story. Uh, Well-drawn. Uh, it's just it's just one of those books because it's DC just doesn't get the love from from the uh, the valuation side of, of comic book collecting. This run of Detective by Mike Barr, Mike W. Barr and Alan Davis is amazing. The whole run is really good. There's a classic Joker story in there. Uh, they kind of go back to the whole 1950s Dick Sprang era where the giant typewriters, you know, and things like that. It's really a fun run that is really overlooked, sadly cut short. Michael W. Barr was not happy with uh, things that were going on editorially, so it could have been a long, beautiful run. Luckily, we got Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle after this on Detective with a more classic uh, villain stories like The Ventriloquist and things like that. I love The Ventriloquist. Yeah. Those are Batman villains, right? Right, right. Absolutely. You know, uh, they're harder to write. I know why everything's cosmic and kablooey now, because that's easy. To, that's mm -hmm. to me, that's easy to write, to have a grounded street level gut story with a mystery that has to be solved. It's mm -hmm. not easy to do. It's a tough thing to write. And I these think guys are joining the Justice League was is is the turn turning point in, well, in the original Justice League. Back yeah, in the day, you know, he's not a team player. He's a he's a lone wolf. He's a detective, right? And it, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Oh, we're going to start our old man rant again. On <laughs> things was better back then. Uh, speaking of things being better back then, my underrated book this week is this gem right here, Mysterious Suspense, number one. This is the first solo comic book to feature the question. Oh, there he is, right there. Do you have any questions, Richard? Huh. Uh, this is made up of stories that were meant uh, to be backups in the Blue Beetle, but the Blue Beetle got canceled and they had all this beautiful Steve Ditko inventory. So they did this one shot to try to get it out there and see if it would do anything. It's a beautiful book. Uh, Steve Ditko has some issues with the credit. Apparently he feels Dick Giordano credited uh Glansman with writing when he did not do any of the writing. Ditko claims all the writing and drawing was by him. Wow. Well, fortunately, two of those people are no longer with us. So we can't have them on the show. One of those people would never be on this show, even if we asked him. He would send <laughs> us a terse, tersely worded, handwritten letter. Uh, I'll let you guess which one of those people I'm talking about. The last notable high-grade sale of Mysterious Suspense, number one, was for a CGC 9.8 in April of last year for $2,160. Mm, wow. Is up from $720 in 2021. Wow. So the uh, frenzy and fever of 2022 is real, people. There are only three CGC 9.8s on this census. I bought this copy thinking it had an outside shot at a 9698. It is gorgeous. I'll let you look. It's beautiful, sharp corners, no stress. And then I opened it up, and there is a stain on the inside uh, pages no. that will prevent it from being anything more than I think an 8.5. I will get it slapped. We'll see. But, folks. Them's the way it rolls sometimes when you don't 
open the book and flip through every single page when you're at a convention. Arg. <laughs> yeah, I've I have had recent experience with that. Uh, sorry, as an aside, my beautiful oh. Archie book. Yes, which I am going to was uh, I'm going to set, send in on the back has less than beautiful drawing all over it. Is uh, that grease pencil or is that pencil pencil? What do you think that is? Uh, it is pencil pencil. Oh. I believe, yeah. If it was grease pencil, I could I could clean it up, but uh, they press pretty hard, so. This book, it's a, it's a, it's in great shape. Other than that, but yeah, this is a good example of pull it out and yes. look at the whole book before you buy. I I, I think I paid two hundred for this. Um, regardless, it's it's a permanent collection book, so it's it's not a huge deal. But I think that's good advice in life. Period. If you're going to spend money on it, pull it out and inspect it, no matter what it is. <laughs> You heard from John, folks. Would that be a single entendre? It's an entendre of some kind, definitely. Hey, hey, thanks, everybody. We do appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for all the viewer mail. We're trying to catch up on it. Uh, make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bronze and Modern Gods. And make sure you hit like on this video if you're watching on YouTube. We haven't had a podcast review in a while. That would be nice. Richard's date would be made, no? Yeah, absolutely. And we will catch you next time. Everybody, stay safe.